Welcome, welcome, and thank you for tuning in to SME Enlightenment Radio or watching on SM Enlightenment TV. I'm Ayana. And I'm Jenny. And we are two healthy chicks. So, Jenny, what's in your mug tonight? Oh, I've got something different. I have orange chai tonight. Mm, you know, I had mm -hmm. my hand on it and then I decided, no. So good. So I, good. I went with mint tonight. So, I, you know, needed to relax a little, you know. Yeah, that's kind of fun. That's really the one I almost chose. I needed some flavor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that one. So last week we started this series on mind, body, and skin, right? And mm -hmm. we kind of, we dove into the mind, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we had, it was, we had a great discussion, didn't we, last week? I mean, it was a great yeah. kickoff to this series of the mind, body, skin. And, and we talked about how powerful that the mind is to our health. And I think it's something that is often overlooked, right? You know, we don't think about how powerful that is of what we put into our minds and how it affects our bodies, um, our overall health, how, and, and the time that we're consuming it as well. Yeah, we, we actually had a couple of guests that helped us explore the mind and like the effects on of the environment, mm -hmm. on how we feel, like our mood. So it was it was a really nice discussion. And I think it was a great way to segue into the body. And we also have a guest tonight that will journey with us as we dive into the body piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it's I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get into our topic tonight because, you know, like we just said, the mind, body, skin. So we talked about mind last week. This week we're gonna talk about the body. And you know, that we know that the mind, body, skin is all connected, right? It's a symbiotic relationship, meaning everything is connected to one another. It makes it affects one another. So just like we said, you know, the importance of what we put into our mind. So this week we're going to talk about the importance of what we're putting into our bodies. And so um, I don't think it's going to take too much convincing uh, for our wise listeners, right, to agree that what we eat is pretty important to our overall health, right? <laughs> so, um, so I think, you know, if you see leafy green veggies and you see French fries, it's not too difficult to discern like which one's going to be healthy for me to consume, right? So let's go deeper than that tonight. And let's talk about what's going on on the inside of our body and talk about the foods that we are eating and if they could be helping us or if they are actually sabotaging our health. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just speaking of the body, it's kind of interesting. I had a conversation um, a couple of days ago, actually, about how in my later 20s and early 30s, you know, you think that you're making the healthier choices because you're choosing the obvious things, mm -hmm. you know, let me have this salad instead of these French fries as a side, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm excited about tonight because I think that we're going to dive so much deeper. And I know like over the last year, at least for me, my eyes are wide open. It's like, okay, ingredient yeah. label, oh, what's going yes. on? Yeah, mm -hmm. so it, it's it's interesting that you brought that up because I literally just had that conversation. And that's the perfect segue to speaking of our guests. So yes. before we actually dive into the body now is the perfect time to introduce her. We actually went to high school together. Shout out Brooklyn Tech, class of 96. Yeah. Yep, just gave away our age. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, she too is originally from Brooklyn, New York. 
just, you know, another shout. Um, but now she lives in Buford, Georgia, and she's been there for 14 years. She has three children, and she really has a deep understanding of nutrition, including like how to stabilize blood sugar, manage cravings, and even how to fuel for marathon training. That Ooh. was to me. Yes. Um, so I'll let her tell you about her journey to healthy living, but let's welcome Nikiva Brown. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me as a guest tonight. Yes. Um, so as far as my health journey is concerned, I actually got serious about it when I turned 35. So I'm 42 now. So for the past seven years is when I really started getting serious. I started running, just went into the New Balance running store one day, bought some random running shoes. and I love downloaded. New Balance. <laughs> That's yes, my shoe. Yes. I run in, in those and a couple other brands, but I, I was a newbie. I went in there cold, bought these shoes and downloaded this uh, C to 5K app, which is Couch to 5K. It helps you prepare to run a 5K within 10 weeks from literally sitting on your couch to being able to complete the race um, within 10 weeks of training. And it's an app that tells you for example, walk 90 seconds, then run for 10 seconds. And it just keeps queuing you week over week and increasing your speed and your distance running until you're actually fully running a 5K. So I did that. Yeah, I did that and ran my first 5K. That was back in 20, I guess it was 2015. Um, and then as part of that, just realizing I couldn't eat all the junk that I had been eating and run at an optimal level. So with that, I started doing some research. At that time, Bob Green was really big with Oprah. I don't know if you're familiar with him. This has been you know, a while back. So he was really big with her and he talked a lot about leafy greens and ensuring that you were getting the appropriate supplements, drinking lots of water, um, ensuring that if you, do, if you aren't a meat eater that you get wild caught seafood or farm raised, um, pasture raised meats and poultry and the best eggs that you could get. So just buying the highest quality ingredients that you can find and limiting your portion sizes. And I'm also a big proponent of eating healthy fats. I know a lot of times people will shy away from fat, but I do use grass fed butter in my food. I eat a lot of nut butters and a lot of nut milk. So a lot of fats in order to really satiate and ensure that your hunger hormones are being satisfied. Because a lot of times if you're eating empty calories, what will happen is that your body is still craving more and more because you're not satisfying the actual hunger. You're eating, but your mind is not turning off the signals that you're full per se. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually laughing because you mentioned wild caught fish and shrimp and we literally just had a conversation backstage about where I get my shrimp. So we're not going to mention where I get my shrimp because I really kind of wanted to stay like in my little ignorant bubble. <laughs> Knowing full well, you can't get a pound of shrimp for $6 and it really right. is good for you. But yeah, that's, that's probably why Jenny is laughing. I mean, not more than 20 minutes ago, we had that conversation. Yes, so Yes, we did. And I mean, it's it's... I wouldn't say it's a hard choice, but it does definitely impact your pocketbook or your wallet. You know what I'm saying? It, it costs you more to buy the better ingredients. So when you're looking at your grocery bill, a lot of times you'll say, well, if I spend $200 on groceries and get the 
the more affordable items, I can get more. But sometimes less is more in terms of quality. So I say always go for the quality over quantity and you'll be surprised. Like if you, for example, the protein amounts that you need are literally like the size of your palm. So a lot of times we tend to overeat in terms of protein and meats. So you can afford to actually buy higher quality meats if you're eating a smaller portion of meat and then filling half your plate with greens. It really balances itself out. Yeah, it's kind of it's weird because like I've made those choices with meat and like other things. And I don't know, for some reason, I just haven't made that decision with shrimp. So, all right, I guess Jenny no win tonight is the night that I change those habits. Gotcha. Fine. Yes, she's right. She's absolutely right. <laughs> all right. So, Jenny, we'll start off with gut microbiome. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I love your background. This is going to be so much fun to just chat and pick your brain. And um, it, it is so fascinating. And I think we are all similar in that journey of just later in our life and deciding, thinking that we're being healthy and then realizing right. there's so much more to it and or just different decisions to make that the things that we thought were healthy maybe aren't so good for us. So, so uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into this. So let's, let's start with the gut microbiome. And I think it's really interesting because there's been a lot of talk going on now about the gut microbiome and the importance of it to our overall health. And so, you know, I just find it so fascinating. I mean, that we're learning that like up to 80% of our immune system is housed in our gut, up to 70% of the serotonin comes from the gut. I mean, serotonin, like that's the stuff that makes you happy. It makes you feel good, you know? And so there's so much going on in the gut microbiome and how we treat it um, affects how our body is treated, um, how inflammation affects our body, how the acidity of our body affects our health. So there's so much to talk about. So so let's jump in. So let's start with, um, let's go to the alkaline acidic. Um, let's talk about that. So, so how would you talk to someone who has never heard of alkaline or acidic or what that means in the body? Um, Talk to us as if like we have never heard of that. Um, explain what it means and how it affects our health. So for me, the way that I describe it most of the time is to get clients to focus more so on foods that are whole and foods that are actually living. So not many prepackaged items, shop the perimeter of, of the store, um, ensure that you're getting lots of fruits and vegetables, mainly green leafy vegetables. I'm not a huge proponent of a lot of fruit. The fruit that I do promote most of the time would be berries and sometimes apples. If you're really active, a half a banana here and there because a banana can really spike your blood sugar. And if you're not active, you're not going to really burn that off as efficiently as someone who's active. Um, lots of water, a lot of seeds and nuts. Um, depending on what sort of reaction your body has had in the past, I recommend some beans. It really just depends. Beans can inflame certain people's bodies. So you just have to play that one by ear. Um, typically lentils are good for everyone. Like I haven't really had many people have adverse reactions to lentils and those are definitely powerhouses in terms of nutrients, iron, protein, fiber. Um, definitely recommend a lot of fiber so that your body is able to 
remove waste as quickly as possible. And it also helps you with your gut health, also helps you with your intestines and ensuring that you don't develop things such as polyps in your colon because you're able to move food out of your system really quickly. So speaking of the sugar in bananas, I think that's a good point regarding like blood sugar. And I know that you have a lot of information about that. Talk to us about blood sugar and like how to manage that. So in terms of blood sugar, what I recommend is that um, at each meal, you try to have a green, a healthy fat, a protein and fiber. So if you combine those four things together, you'll be able to um, definitely control your blood sugar. And also um, just monitoring it with the glucometer because that's the best way to see how your body reacts to specific foods. Um, typically, a lot of times if people eat a lot of carbs, we don't necessarily think of carbs as sugar. But what happens with those is that your muscles will, when you eat a carb, they'll either go into your muscles or into your liver and be stored there for use in the future. But once those two components are full, the excess carbs, if you don't burn them off, they end up turning into sugar, which turns into fat. So okay. that's an, right. <laughs> that's an important piece that. of information. Don't that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want that. And so that's why a lot of times I do eat some grains, but I try to really eat a lot of carbs that are wrapped in green vegetables. So, for example, broccoli, zucchini, things of that nature do have carbs, but they have a lot of fiber, too. So the net carb from that item will be a lot lower than if you just eat grains themselves. So you mentioned glucometer. Can you tell us what do you mean by that? So it's basically like, for example, my mom has diabetes, so she does have to measure her blood sugar um, at least daily just to make sure that she's on track in terms of stabilizing her blood sugar and that mm -hmm. it's not high. Um, so those are just you can buy those at your pharmacy. You can even order them off of um, Amazon Prime or wherever and just prick your finger and mm -hmm. um, take a baseline level early in the morning before you eat anything to kind of see where you are. And then as you eat, you can um, prick again throughout the day to see how different meals affect your blood sugar. So interesting. I have uh, never thought of doing that. I mean, I, you know, see people who are diabetics do that, but that has never occurred to me to what a simple way to check it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. And so, and I love what you said about the four eating the four things together because it is a package deal is the best way to keep ourselves stable. So, and, and keep that blood sugar stable. So I love that. That's, that's awesome. So that kind of makes me think of allergenic foods. So let's talk a little bit about allergenic foods and how those affect the body. And, and it's interesting because um, an allergy, uh, we talked a little bit about this when we introduced mind, body, um, skin. So let me just define what a, an allergy is, is a damaging immune response by the body to a substance, especially pollen, fur, a particular food or dust to which it has become hypersensitive. So that is one definition from the Oxford languages. And I want to read this other one because I think it's kind of interesting. It's an exaggerated or pathological immunological reaction as by sneezing, difficult breathing, itching, or skin rashes to substances, situations, or physical states that are without comparable effect on the average individual. So we are eating these foods. So we're talking about food, what's putting going into our bodies, and we're having overreactive 
reactions. Um, and it's happening more and more. So it's just really interesting. I mean, I think all of us can agree that we know a lot of people that are like, oh, I have an allergy to this. I have an allergy to that. And it's it's happening more and more. So so what is your what have you seen as far as um, foods that are allergenic or the effect on the body or how that can be counteracted? So what I've noticed in particular is that, of course, we've seen the increase in in um, allergic reactions and people getting their children tested for allergies and you can do the prick testing to see if there's some sort of um, swelling that happens or even the blood tests. But what I've noticed is that a lot of times the allergies have to do with additives that are in certain mm -hmm. foods as well. Um, for example, with nuts, I had one client who was eating nuts that had a lot of additives in there. So for example, if you buy specific um, brands of almonds, for example, they may have some maltodextrin in there or other additives to help with flavor enhancement and a lot of corn and things of that nature. And so those are manufactured products. That's not an actual part of the nut itself. And a lot of times people will have adverse reactions to the additives and not necessarily the food itself. So it's just important to note that as well. I'm beginning to wonder yeah. if like there's some telepathy going on here because again, <laughs> another conversation that I just had and I've been having over the last three days, um, actually Sykes and I are kind of like in this tug of war about almond milk right now because of certain yeah. ingredients. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting that you talk about the additives because that would be the only thing that explains my daughter's reaction to milk specifically and not other dairy products. Like I, no one has ever really been able to explain that. And I know like now, especially with with so many reactions, there's like the term allergy and then food sensitivity, but literally by um, like trial and error, unfortunately, we learned this. Um, one of my purses actually got the brunt of it because maybe about 15 minutes after a chocolate milk, which I would never do. Of course, this was way back before I knew anything about sugars and all of that good stuff, but she had a chocolate milk and I didn't give it to her. I won't say who did grandma, but she had the chocolate milk. Shame for shame. <laughs> you suck. And then like within 10 to 15 minutes, we were in the car and I just happened to turn around and I was talking to her and she just had this really weird shade on her face and all of it came right back up mm -hmm. into my purse. And yeah, it was, it was fun times. I didn't know that she had the chocolate milk, but when I looked in my purse, I knew she had chocolate milk. So, oh my that. so yes, the mm -hmm. additives, I, I feel you on that. And like I said, ever since then we've, we've done almond milk and typically like we were kind of transitioning to almond milk at that time also, but now I'm learning more and more about certain things that are in certain brands of almond milks. And I know. Oh yeah. Not a lot of stabilizers. So, yeah. Okay. So I think I might switch to making my own. Sykes is really right. Good. And it's pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy to do. You just soak the almonds um, for, you can do it for a couple of hours or overnight. 
-hmm. and then you just put them in um uh, you need a pretty high power blender in order to process it well so you would put them in there with some additional water some people add flavors to it like vanilla extract whatever kind of flavor and like cinnamon some people may throw a date in there for some extra flavor and then you just blend it up some of the more powerful blenders you don't even have to strain it with the cheesecloth but some of them you do and it's really good like you will taste the difference in your homemade nut milks versus what you buy in the store yeah, he's not going to go for it, I'm sure, but eventually. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, and it just makes me think with your story about Aaliyah, like that was a very obvious reaction that she had. But I think oftentimes, too, we are having reactions to things and we don't even realize it. And so, yeah. you know, thinking of this, but also with inflammation, you know, inflammation causes all kinds of issues and all kinds of things are causing inflammation in our body. And I think, um, I think so typically we're just like, Oh, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, that doesn't bother me. Oh, milk doesn't bother me. But then it's like, do, do you know, do you know what it's doing? Do you know how your body should be? And I know for me, once I took things out of my diet and then experienced what life was like without that in my body, I'm like, <laughs> like I had no idea it was supposed to be like this. This is phenomenal. And then put it back in. You're like, ooh, that it, it does do that to me. And so just that realization, understanding, I think the only way to really know that is by do that, doing that elimination, take it out and experience how your body can be. And I feel like um, I don't know if you would agree or not, Nakiva, that the this is typical in America, at least just, you know, we just don't even know how it really is affecting our bodies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think within, I would say the past five years or so, a lot of the elimination diets have become more and more popular. So you have the whole 30 where people literally just went back or paleo, as they call it, where people really just went back to quote unquote, the caveman diet and are just eating literally meat, veggies, like green veggies most of the time, um, some fruits and nuts, no beans. So it, I mean, it's very basic. Um, if you were having nut milk, you would have to make it yourself because you couldn't have anything with the carrageen or any of the other um, adjectives, I mean, not adjectives, but additives in there. Um, and then if you were having bacon or any sort of cured meats, no nitrates or nitrites. So very basic just to see how your body would do with the basic foods. And then what people would do is go back in and start adding back in some other things right. and waiting like a week or two to see how their mm -hmm. body would react. And then that way they would know, oh, I need to take that back out because my body mm -hmm. doesn't like that. Or right. I can leave that in there. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And like, you know, as far as inflammation, Jenny, it's, it's funny, since we first started having this conversation in March, I've heard so many um, friends and family members, more so family members that have recently, and you know, we talked about not taking things out of your diet because you're not really understanding the effects. And unfortunately, I think it comes down to when the effects become so serious that you end up going to your doctor. And then like family members, doctors are telling them that they have to change their diet to decrease the inflammation in their systems. Um, so it's, it's really interesting that we don't typically know how our bodies are reacting to mm -hmm. things if it's not like an as extreme as an aller and as an allergy 
Um, And it's just like some sort of reaction. We don't know until it really becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. But let's take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss foods that are not so good for you. And then possibly sabotaging your health. We'll also discuss foods that you should be looking for, healthy foods. And finally, like the healing effects of those foods. So you are listening to Two Healthy Chicks on WSME SM Enlightenment Radio. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm Ayana. And I'm Jenny. And we are Two Healthy Chicks on SM Enlightenment Radio. We have Nakiva Brown with us, and we're talking about the role the body plays in the mind-body-skin connection. Yeah, so let's talk about bad foods, what their effect and... um, or maybe bad foods isn't the best title, but the foods that may be sabotaging... um, our health. Um, and again, every, every body is different. Every body reacts to things differently. Um, so, uh, so take that into account, but let's start with inflammatory foods. We were talking about inflammation at the end of the last segment. So let's start with that and, and talk about dairy. And so I know for me, um, you know, I was talking about taking foods out and, realizing what it's really doing to us. And the first experience I had with that was with dairy. And so as I had mentioned before that I had to take dairy out of my diet because I was nursing my son and he had a cow's milk protein allergy. So that was for sure the hardest thing I've ever done in my life um, because we all know how much I loved ice cream. But it was so eye-opening for me. And that really was the start of this health journey for me because it was the first time I've ever taken a food group out of my diet and I experienced the impact of of how I realized how it was affecting my body. And then when I put it back in, I saw like just the bloating and the pain and the cramps that it was causing my body. So I know for me, dairy is is not good for my body. So I just I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, you know, I I'm, I'm listening to you and then I'm thinking about our conversation about the almond milk and, you know, making it yourself. And yes, dairy ditto. I've, I've done without um, milk definitely for over 10 years now. Um, I haven't done yogurt in probably five years at least. Like, and that was just by force. So we talked about that last episode, right? Like my body was like, nope, you're, you're all done. We're good here. No mm-hmm. more. Um, but I will be honest, I, it, it frightens me slightly, the, the work, because, you know, we all have like a million and one things that we're doing. And I honestly cannot picture myself with cheesecloth and fries <laughs> and cooking. And I'm going to be real honest. The, the only reason why I'm even considering this is because I saw a machine where you can push a button. You throw some almonds in, you push a button, and it comes out. Right. If that will work, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> Just saying, I'm being real. I hear you. I mean, it definitely is labor intensive, much more labor intensive than just walking into the grocery store and grabbing a carton off of the refrigerator shelf. That's for sure. 
So. Yeah, definitely. I think another um, like really hot topic right now is gluten. Um, and Jenny, you you have a mm-hmm. lot to say about gluten. Like I know that's a big deal for you. Yeah, yeah. That so that was the second big thing <laughs> that went out of my diet. <laughs> We're just firing them off, and and you know it's so interesting because. I will say for like the typical American, I mean, we just hit the two big ones. Like, how do you make pizza? Gluten and dairy. (laughs) It's like, how do you live life without gluten and dairy? And I remember when I did my first um, uh, 30 days to healthy living, which, which takes away the foods that are acidic, addictive, allergenic, inflammatory, and gluten is one of them. And so I remember thinking, okay, I, I can do this for 30 days, but there were people that were giving us information and recipes and things. And I got the impression that they kind of did this a lot. (laughs) And I'm like, how do you do that? It was, it was shocking to me. It was so, it was incredulous. I'm like, how can anyone live without gluten? (laughs) Like, I don't even understand. So it's definitely been a journey, but taking it out again, I I realized like, Ooh, this, this causes all kinds of issues in my body that I would have never known if I didn't take it out. And then learning that it has an effect, um, especially for autoimmune diseases is, is really important to be able to, um, to take that out. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, and then the other ingredients. So actually before we go there, just thinking of pizza, I will say that I do really enjoy, and Nikiba, you can chime in here and let me know if I'm going down the right path. I do enjoy pizzas that have like, um, the dairy-free cheese. And I am selective. I make sure it doesn't have soy. There's no way, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm using the, I mean, it is still coming in a package. Like if you tell me that I have to go and make my own dairy-free cheese, <laughs> this relationship is over. I haven't, I haven't even made my own dairy-free cheese. So I wouldn't tell anybody okay. that they have to do that. Okay. But I mean, there You're are some reputable brands out there that you can buy for sure. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, yes. So yeah, you know, I, I actually, I think they taste great. I've actually tried cauliflower crust and mm-hmm. I know that the last time I made it, I have to make it a little bit different because it came out a little too crispy for me. Again, Brooklyn girls, we like our pizza floppy. So right. I'm going to work on <laughs> I'm gonna have to work on that. I'm impressed that you made your own cauliflower crust. Most people don't even venture that far. That's impressive. <laughs> that is I buy my cauliflower crust. <laughs> right. Most people buy it. I, I, tried. Made, I made my pizza. I didn't make the crust. Come on. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> lots of respect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, I was going to say the only cauliflower, I tried to make cauliflower tortillas and I talked about cheesecloth. I, I didn't own a cheesecloth. So I had the hardest time squishing out all the water. That was the hardest part of making those. So I haven't ventured back into that one yet, but maybe I'll get brave enough another time. <laughs> we'll try that. So we were talking about um, almond milk a lot and we still are obviously. And that ingredient that I mentioned earlier that I just learned about over the last week was carrageenan. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Carrageenan. Yes. 
I think that's right. <laughs> I think All that's right. right. <laughs> that's how I say it, but I'm not the expert. <laughs> all right. If anyone, you know, wants to write in, by all means, we Let are not above being corrected. Um, again, <laughs> not professionals here. We're just here to share our story. Mm -hmm. So this is an ingredient that is found in a lot of almond milk. And the brand that I was using, literally the jug that I had in my refrigerator last week, listed that as one of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. And now... Like I bought another one before I knew about this and that one is not, it doesn't list carrageenan. So it's like the, this brand is saying that um, since July of 2020, it's no longer found in their milk. Again, I don't know. I just, I find it very difficult to believe, especially with what I'm learning about, you know, the FDA and nutrition labels and all that good stuff. So who knows? So I probably will still go to making almond milk again if I can push that button but tell us more about carrageenan so it's a stabilizer um, that's used in the almond milk to help give it that creamy consistency and to help keep it together um, it's kind of like a preservative and so our bodies don't really know what to do with that per se so when we ingest it it's just difficult for our bodies to break that down digest it and move it through our bodies optimally. It takes a while to remove all of that from our bodies. And I um, I read up a little bit on it. Um, and actually, one of my clients asked me about it this week. And I was like, hold, please, let me do some research. <laughs> <laughs> Literally said that in the text. Um, and it was good information. Exactly. It was good information <laughs> because I wanted to know it also. But I'm I'm learning that it's actually a carcinogen. Like it's it's linked to breast cancer specifically. Right. It, it's just it's mind blowing. It's mind numbing. It's just it's okay. So speaking of mind numbing, let's move on to artificial sweeteners. Um, I, I don't even have words. Nikki, you don't have to talk because I can't even, I, it's just talk about mind numbing. <laughs> yeah. So essentially what those do is block when you, for example, if you use one of the artificial sweeteners that are out there that were really popular, let's say 10 years ago, I, I find that people are trying to move away from them. But if you use those, your body doesn't even realize that it's not sugar. And so it, it doesn't, it's, it's another ingredient that your body doesn't know how to process. So it, you're really better off just eating sugar in moderation than using artificial sweeteners. Yeah. 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 I think that that concept of not knowing like your body, not knowing is true also for soy. And that's another one of those ingredients that's marketed as a healthy alternative, but is it really, you know, like I just, again, I told this story in another episode, so I won't tell it again, but it, it mimics estrogen in the body right. and it's been linked right. also to cancer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My mom is a breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed oh. in 2001. Yeah. And so she went to some of the best hospitals at the time she was living in Brooklyn. So she had access to some of the best hospitals in New York city. And they told her specifically to not to eat any soy products, no soy milk, edamame, tofu or anything. Um, and so now I find it very interesting that recently there was a study published, I think by the American Heart Association, don't quote me on that though, but there was a study published recently that says that 
the soy products are not, they don't have an adverse effect on increasing estrogen levels. But I'm thinking, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times these studies, depending on who's funding the study in particular. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Right. It'll it'll get the green light in order to get mm-hmm. the consumer in mass to go and purchase products. Yeah. There's a lot of marketing involved for sure. Agreed. And, and, you know, if there's a question, why, why do it then? You right. know, there's, there's enough question there. So, yeah. And, and I think, um, so speaking of just some of my go-to people that I check out for, you know, when I have questions on things like this or whatever health related, um, Dr. Axe is one. So he's at draxe.com, D-R-A-X-E. Um, and then um, Dr. Mark Hyman. So he's at drhyman.com. So I think those are um, good resources that we're able to go to, to find out answers to some questions. I know there's a lot of things out there, but those, those are ones that I personally use. I really like them and, and their philosophy and their, their view of the body and, and, natural healing, um, using food as healing. So, all right. So let's switch gears from the foods that we don't want so much of to let's talk about some good foods and some, uh, the healing effects that we can get from <laughs> food. Let's talk about yeah. the happy things. So now that we're all thoroughly depressed, no, anything. All right. So let's start with salmon. Let's start with oh, salmon. Yeah. So Um, I mean, salmon can help with brain function, um, help ward against stroke, inflammation, heart disease, rheumatoid arthritis. So, um, yeah, what's, why does, what's so great about salmon? So salmon actually is a superfood. So it incorporates um, high amounts of selenium and that's an essential mineral, which you can't get outside of eating it in food. And so salmon has a high level of selenium. Um, And it also has vitamin D, omega-3s, vitamins B, D, and A. Um, So it's definitely a superfood that you want. You also get your essential fatty acids from it, um, a a decent amount of protein as well. Typically, I I opt for coho salmon just because it's not as strong of a flavor as the sockeye. Um, So that's what I like. Um, and that typically has 24 ounces of protein per three ounce serving, which is a lot. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So yeah. salmon is definitely one of my go-tos. And then another fish that I eat quite a bit of is um, albacore tuna. So I try to get the highest quality of that that I can buy. Um, and typically that will have about 35 grams of protein, which is a lot. So even if I'm on the go, I'll have, um, I literally keep them in my trunk. I'll have maybe two or three cans of that with like some nuts so that if I'm on the go and I can't stop for anything, I can literally just pop the top off of that, Mm -hmm. drain the liquid off, eat that and have my nuts and maybe like an apple or something. And I'm good to go. Nikita, no excuses. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're calling you. (laughs) That's you awesome. Earned your two healthy chicks nickname. <laughs> Thank you. You have earned it. <laughs> That's amazing. And and what did you say? It was coho salmon isn't as fishy. Is that what you said? Right. It has a milder flavor because I know a lot of there's a lot of people who they want to yeah. eat seafood, but yep. they don't like a, a fishy taste. And so yep. the coho is a lot milder in flavor. 
That's right. awesome. That's really great because I, it's kind of funny. This was my fun fact a little while back um, was that I didn't grow up eating fish. So that would have been me. Like, actually I love salmon and that's one of my go-tos. And so mm -hmm. I have gotten over that, but that's a really great tip for people that just ugh, fish is, is a hard step for them. So yeah, right. that's awesome. Um, strawberries. Tell us about yeah. strawberries. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. They definitely help protect your heart. And then they actually help increase your HDL cholesterol level, which is your good cholesterol level. Um, they're also packed with vitamin C and vitamin K, lots of folic acid, which is great for women in particular, especially women of childbearing age, um, fiber and potassium. So those are little powerhouses. You definitely mm want to keep those in your diet. Um, and they're also a way to get a lot of flavor without a lot of sugar. So when I want fruit, berries are definitely my go-to. That's awesome. That's yeah. very cool. I can't, I don't know about you guys, but I can't keep strawberries in the house. Like my kids devour them. <laughs> they're so them. good. They're so good. <laughs> So tell me about um, Faro. I'm um, curious about this, but I don't know much about Faro. So I think it's maybe been about five years or so when people started doing the paleo and the Whole30, those who wanted to do carbs weren't necessarily doing paleo and Whole30, but they wanted to do something similar that incorporated carbs. And that's when people started looking into the quote unquote ancient grains, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's where Faro came up. And pretty much it's a great alternative to brown rice and white rice. Um, you're definitely going to get a lot of carbs with it. So you okay. have to be careful, but it do, it also has a decent amount of protein. A serving will typically have eight grams of protein and quite a bit of fiber as well. Um, so I would say I definitely wouldn't eat it at every meal. I personally wouldn't eat it every day either, unless I was doing a lot of running or a lot of cardio where I knew I would burn it off. But it's definitely better than eating white rice or you know, white pasta or, or things like that. So put that in the banana category, farro and bananas <laughs> on running days. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. When you know that you're going to, you need to have those stores because you're going to be doing a lot of cardio, right? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned lentils earlier. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the all around good guy, right? <laughs> right. A lot of protein and a lot of, of fiber. So you can't beat that. A lot of people who I know are vegan or vegetarian, lentil is like their go-to ingredient. They'll make lentil loaf or they'll make lentil stews and a lot of different things using lentils because, and it also has not quite a meaty consistency, but it's definitely hearty so that you can incorporate it into veggie burgers and it'll kind of hold those together. So a lot of times people will use that along with mushrooms and some sort of a grain like the farro to make a veggie patty that's pretty hearty. Yeah, I've never heard of a lentil loaf. Like I've heard of many uses for that. That was, I don't know if you caught that. I had to fix my face. Yes, I saw. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Never done a lentil loaf. Our, our favorite, um, one of our favorite meals is lentils, chicken and kale. Um, so mm -hmm. we just have it, you know, cooked up and layered together, but a lentil loaf. Hmm, I don't know if I can get that one past my kids. <laughs> you and your kale, Jenny. Oh my goodness. I just, kale I, is I the best for you, girl. <laughs> I know, but there are so few recipes where it's delicious. I think I can literally count three. Kale? Recipes. Yes. For I me. So 
you can, you can make salads with it. The key to putting it in salads, though, is to um, put some olive, a little olive oil on it and some salt, and then you literally take your fingers and massage it to break it down. Yes. So yeah, I didn't have that key. Um, and I actually called myself being cute. This is years and years and years ago before Sykes, don't take offense. I was cooking for a date and I was like, oh, I'm going to make a kale salad. That sounds really good. Yeah. Nobody gave me the key about olive oil and massaging. No, it was awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, it's man, really good. You have, to, awesome. you have to massage it and then it'll break down the texture of the kale slightly so that you can eat it. But I put it in smoothies and everything. That yeah, I mean, I'm sure I could do it that way. We make kale chips. So yeah, you put them, yeah, put them in the oven and I yep. wanted to. I haven't ventured to do it yet. Um, but yes, I will give kale chips a try and I'll let you know. Even just sauteed, if you if you use some good seasoning, it's good. You just have to give it give it a try. Give it another chance. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's we are um, getting close on time. I just want to run down a few other, just list them literally, because we don't have time to jump into them, which is okay. um, the same. But so we have avocado, pomegranate mm -hmm. juice, um, oh, say kale, pumpkin seeds, olive oil, turmeric, blueberries. Oh my goodness, I wish we had blueberries. Oh, yeah. oh blueberries, right in the strawberry category. Think what we said. Oh, yeah. Every um, garlic, every overnight. What's that? Strawberries and blueberries go in my oh. shoes every single morning. Yes, yes. And raspberries too. And dark chocolate. Oh, girls, I can't even believe we ran out of time for dark chocolate. I mean, like, come on, dark chocolate. Uh, I just, I mean, okay. Maybe, maybe we, we, we just, can take a few minutes. because Okay, I mean, let's just, let's just pause on dark chocolate, can we please? Like, this is so, one thing that I'm on board for. All right, so, so here we go. Let's just put out a few things so that next time someone says like, uh-huh, and you'd be like, this is what you say. It helps with mood disorders, high blood pressure, heart disease. It has flavonoids that may help boost mood and enhance executive functioning. So there. <laughs> nice. So when I'm buying, or should I say waiting for the bricks to go on sale at the grocery store, I have all the reason in the world. No, I have to have this. You want me to have a good mood, right? So yes. dark chocolate. Thank you. Okay, there we go. <laughs> all right. So that brings us to our APOD. All right, so our Arbonne product of the day is the Super Boost Antioxidant Shot, and it's very appropriate to mm -hmm. everything that we've discussed today. So we were talking about protecting cells against oxidation, the importance of antioxidants to our bodies, and this one is really a good one. So it's a little pouch of super fruit juices like blueberry, pomegranate, acai, along with vitamin C, zinc, and selenium, like almost half of what we were talking about today um, <laughs> is in this one little pouch. And it provides antioxidants to help protect cells from oxidative damage. Um, and it's also a a boost, like an energy boost. It has a blend with green tea leaf extract, guarana seed extract, um, ginseng root extract. So it really delivers like that gentle boost of energy. Um, so you get all of that in that one little pack, which is why it's probably called the super boost. So that's the Arbonne product of the day, soon to be known worldwide as the A-Pod. 
<laughs> so Nakiva, again, thank you so much for joining us. Like we, I had a great time, Jenny. I know yes, you did this also. was amazing. So just, fun. Thank yeah, you. It's nice when the conversation, you know, flows. And again, there had to be a little bit of telepathy going on there because <laughs> so many of our conversations. So awesome. we really appreciate you. Thank you again for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. So next week, we will finish up this three-part series of the Mind-Body-Skin Connection. And you may be shocked to learn some things about this largest mm -hmm. organ that we call our skin. And mm -hmm. Jenny, I know you have someone lined up for next week's discussion. Yes, we have another great guest next week. Dr. Autumn is a chiropractor and she has a lot to share on overall health and will obviously be zeroing in on the skin. And I think you will be surprised about what kind of an impact the things that you put on your skin can have, um, like the products you use, um, what kind of impact they can have on your nervous system, on the organs and the systems inside your body. So it's pretty fascinating. So definitely don't miss this one. Absolutely. All right. Random fact, Jenny, what is it? All right. So I have hiked Mount Washington and I have to say, it just drives me crazy when I see the bumper stickers that say, this car has climbed Mount Washington. I want to get a sticker for my body and say, this body has climbed Mount Washington. Like, who like, no, the car did? Not the car. <laughs> I did. Me. I did it. Well, mine isn't quite as fascinating, but that is phenomenal. I did not know that. Yeah. Mine is simply that I am not ticklish, like period. No, no. Really? Feet, arms, nothing. Not ticklish at all. Are so, you human? <laughs> I, you know, some people have asked and wondered, but I'm pretty sure. Crazy. <laughs> Those are our random facts of the day. Again, thank you so much for hanging with us. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation as much as we did. Hope you got some nice little tidbits. I'm Ayana. And I am Jenny. And we are Two Healthy Chicks. Thanks so much for listening to us on SM Enlightenment Radio. Have a great night. Bye.